Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. Hey, let me ask you a question as we kick off this morning, and here it is. Do you have a greater desire to want to be together with others because of the isolation of this lockdown? Because I should do. Maybe you've taken situations or people for granted in this last season. You know, the appreciation grows in the absence of being able to interact with people. Maybe there is um, an elderly grandparent or a, an uncle or someone that you want to spend time with. Or maybe you just have a greater appreciation for school teachers. Hello, those of you who are homeschooling right now. Whatever it is, this absence, this lockdown, this withdrawal from other people has created this hunger, I believe, to want to be together. And you know, today I am coming to you from my home because I just recently traveled to America. My father had a series of heart attacks throughout the lockdown and I wasn't able to see him because of travel restrictions. And so we spent some time together and he had, I think, four major heart attacks. And Miraculously, he's absolutely fine and even back to work today. But the point is, in coming back into the UK, yes, I am now under a 14-day quarantine. And all I wanted to do was go to the grocery store and the tip. And I never thought I would have a sense of loss and longing to visit a tip. I mean, the things that we took for granted pre-lockdown, I think, have changed us. But there's one thing above everything else that I want to do, that I want to be together with, the people of God. I want to be together with our church, with live church, worshiping and seeing you and being a community. And I know this is good to be in digital church and to be online together. And I know this will continue, but we just miss being together. And that's why I feel led by the Spirit of God to introduce a new series throughout this month called The Power of Together. Together, we can do so much more. Together, your weaknesses and your strengths are made up for by other people. And I feel like that continually, surrounded by people who have great strength and talent. And it's this sense of being together, interacting, that really you can't just get from a Zoom, from a screen, or even from a phone call, that you get from being together in person. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10 says this, if one falls down, another helps them up. Who will help us up if we can't be together? A threefold cord, the Bible says, cannot be broken. But if the threefold cord is disintegrated to just being a single rope, it'll easily be broken like a piece of string. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. And the power of togetherness means that we can impact our society and our community. And I really believe that it's time for the church to make an impact and an influence on society today. But to do that, we need to understand the power of together. I think that dreamers need architects and need planners and engineers need architects. And I, I believe that students need teachers and I believe athletes need coaches. I think it's the power of working together that makes people become all that God intended them to be. And so I want to take you to a person in the Bible called 
Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has an entire book named after him. And what he did for God was incredible because he led God's people from ruin to restoration. He was, he, Nehemiah was somebody who was literally raised in a lockdown situation, in captivity, separated from his Jewish heritage and his Jewish people, growing up in a different society. And yet, this absence of being able to be in Jerusalem, he was raised in Persia, this absence of being together with his brother and being together with those who were charged with rebuilding the temple meant he had this incredible desire to be together. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that. The desire to be together, the desire to be together to, to just pray with someone and, and the desire to be together at many different levels. Maybe you're a college student right now. You just want to be together with your friends or you want to think now about getting back into lectures, but you can't. Everything's going online and maybe you're in a place right now where you're running a business and you want to meet with your employees, but you can't because of the restrictions that are in your area. Well, as we, as we think about this, these are some of the challenges that we currently face. And so as we read into the book of Nehemiah and see how he dealt with isolation, I want to draw three principles out of his life to help us right where we live today, that, that our lives wouldn't be full of ruin and worry and fear about what the future would be, but we would grow in faith and in confidence, not just as, as the, the next few weeks unfold, but for the rest of 2020. 2020 doesn't have to be a year that was literally full of devastation because I think that God is bigger than that. And in the middle of the devastation, we see Nehemiah doing incredible things. So let's read what happened in Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 2. Hanani, one of Nehemiah's brothers, had just arrived from Judah with some fellow Jews. I asked them about the conditions among the Jews who had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. And they said, the exile survivors who are there in the province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is still rubble and the city gates are in cinders. When Nehemiah heard this, he sat down and he wept and he mourned for days and he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This season has affected us so deeply and there's been so much mourning and so much difficulty in it, so much pain in this season. And that's why I chose Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't run away from the pain. He didn't ignore the pain. He didn't, did not ignore the facts. He asked his brother, he asked his colleagues, hey, tell me what the real story is. And then he took those facts and he took them back into God and he prayed about them. Which leads me to my first point. Resilience grows from togetherness. Resilience grows from togetherness. Here's Nehemiah hearing about this overwhelming challenge. A situation, you see, that had been there for 152 years. Jerusalem had been in ruin and devastation. And for the last 12 years, Ezra, who was a Jewish priest, was sent to rebuild the temple, but little progress had been made. So when I'm talking about resilience growing from togetherness, I'm talking about how we overcome the feelings of being overwhelmed. 
It's so easy to feel overwhelmed emotionally as we look at the world today, politically, racially. We think about the economy, we think about the environment, we think about the challenges that we face. And that's why I am convinced that when you develop a sense of togetherness, your resilience comes from it. So here's Nehemiah and his brother Hanani talking about Jerusalem. And what we see is the beginning of a conversation from which resilience grows. What conversations are you having right now? What are the tone of your conversations? Who are you, who are you turning to right now in these times of difficulty and need? And, and that's why Nehemiah is such a great example. Because here he is getting real and he's weeping and he's crying with his brothers. But what he does next is takes the pain to God. And as he takes the pain to God, Nehemiah and God together, being together in worship and in prayer, just with God, changed his perspective. And Nehemiah says, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, loyal to his covenant and faithful to those who love him. Look at me, listen to me and pay attention to my prayer. And then he goes on to say, God, we've treated you like dirt. I mean, there's together right there. He is now looping in all of his family network in this sense of ownership for the problem that's in his society. And then he goes on to say, God, I will gather up the scattered peoples from wherever they ended up and put them back in place. Here we see Nehemiah not developing depression, but becoming resilient. And that resilience came from his conversation with Hananiah, taking it to God in prayer, and then from that place, working together with a plan to rebuild what has been lost and what has been devastated. Church, think about that. It's a time to rebuild what was lost. It's a time to rebuild the sense of togetherness. And if we don't have togetherness, no togetherness means no resilience, and no resilience means no results. And so togetherness will bring us to a place of great results. What is resilience? Resilience is the, the, the capacity and the ability to bounce back, to come back. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've really struggled with overwhelming moments in this last six months. There have been times when it's just been really difficult and really hard. And yet people come and they encourage you or they pray with you or they speak life to you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have faced overwhelming, almost devastating moments. You've lost loved ones, you've lost jobs, you're in all kinds of situations, but people have come alongside you and put, your arm, put their arm around you and prayed for you. That's where resilience begins. And from that point, resilience grows. Here's my question when I ask, where does resilience need to grow in the relationships around you right now? How can you bring resilience not worry. How can you bring strength? How can you bring encouragement? Are you praying for those around you? Because this is the point of Nehemiah. As he thinks about the situation, he decides to have a conversation with the king. And the conversation with the king was the person he served. You see, he was a cupbearer. He was the wine taster to this incredible king called Artaxerxes. And this king had power over all of Persia and over the area of Judea and Jerusalem. And it was forbidden for anyone to come into the king's presence that would be depressed or would be downcast. But one day, Nehemiah decides, because resilience has grown, that he's going to have a conversation with Artaxerxes about his homeland. 
And so he does. He's in the king's presence, and the king says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, why are you hangdog in my presence? Hangdog, depressed. I mean, when I read that in the Message Bible, I was like, I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. Maybe you're in a place right now where the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and that's what was going on in Nehemiah's life. And Nehemiah asked King Artaxerxes for help, and, he, and the king turned to Nehemiah and said, Nehemiah, what do you want? And at that point, Nehemiah's resilience stepped up, and he decided to go back into Jerusalem and do what he could to lead a great building restoration project, not just that the walls would be rebuilt, that the people's dignity would be restored, people's faith would be restored. And that's what God wants to do, church, for all of us. He wants to restore our hope in this next season. He wants His power to bring a sense of togetherness that would encourage every single one of us to do so much more and to build what God has promised. So Nehemiah begins to do that. You know, I've been studying about togetherness, and I, I recently read a report from the National Scientific Council on the Developing Child. And this is, a, this is a research think tank that has all the leading fields, researchers and scientists. It has neurobiologists and immunologists, molecular biology, endocrinologists, psychologists, economics, and, and pediatric medicine, they all come together, and this is what their science determined. That if any child who is going through hardship, stress, anxiety, or loss has one significant relationship with a mature adult, that child will develop resilience. And when I read that, that one significant relationship can literally change the course of a child's life, even children that have been orphaned, children that have been in a terrible um, situation, their lives change because of one significant relationship. That's the power of togetherness. Science talks about it, the Word of God demonstrates it, but the question is, are we living it? Do we have someone that we can go to to develop the power of togetherness? And that's why I love the church so much. Because inside the church, we have youth pastors and children's pastors and life group leaders, and we have common ordinary people who know their extraordinary God, and they're ready to open their lives and their homes. They're ready to pray and encourage and be a spiritual mom and dad to someone. One significant relationship can build resilience that will grow people together. Who are you investing in? Because as we invest in each other, those interest areas where we show that in people will bring dividends that will affect future generations. So that's why I'm saying resilience grows when we find that togetherness with each other. Secondly, which is what I want to focus on now with Nehemiah's life, is this, that staying together develops what I call staying power. What is staying power? Staying power is the ability to endure in difficult times. Staying power is what I've already said in Ecclesiastes 4, when you get tired, when you fall down, someone comes alongside you and helps you run again. It's this staying power that Nehemiah developed, not just for himself, but for his entire group and team. Let's look at it in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. This is the situation. 
there were enemies, two enemies that had gathered together. One was a governor and the other one was a religious leader. One was called Samballat, the other Tobiah. And they decided they were going to destroy what Nehemiah was doing. And so they decided to spread lies and gossip, to plan military attacks, to kill people at the most vulnerable places in the wall that was being rebuilt. Literally, this was the situation. And Nehemiah found out about this because God revealed it to him. And this is what he decided to do. Nehemiah stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall. And then he assigned people by families with swords, lances, and bows and said, do not be afraid. Listen to this. He said, put your minds on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Verse 15, from then on, half of the young men worked while the other half stood guard. That's staying power right there. That's the power of togetherness. Military officers served as backup for the common laborers, for all the common laborers had a tool in one hand and a spear in the other. And each of the builders had a sword strapped to his side as he worked with Nehemiah. And Nehemiah had a trumpeter next to him and he gave instructions that wherever the enemy would attack, the trumpet would blow and everyone would rally and fight at that point. They slept in their clothes and they never put their weapons down. Okay, there is power right there. That is staying power. Stop putting your weapons down. You have the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't put your weapons down in this season. You know, some of us were like, you know, if you have to sleep in your clothes, sleep in your clothes, right? If you're listening right now in the clothes you slept in last night and your PJs, good for you, right? Let's understand this principle that Nehemiah had this going on. I mean, the minute someone was vulnerable, you know, and the enemy would attack, they would send in the troops. Literally, God's people would rally. They would go to that weak point and defeat the enemy. That's a picture of what the church needs to be doing. That wherever in our society right now there is a weak point, wherever people lack compassion or respect, wherever people need a sense of God is real and He is with us, that's where we need to go. That's where we need to help. And, and that's why I'm saying we have got to understand this staying power. I tell you, I would not be here today if it were not for people who helped me have staying power. Friends, in this church, in Life Church, I'm thinking of people who stood with me when I was a youth pastor. I'm thinking of my wife, who I've been married to now for 25 years this year. I'm thinking of my own children. I'm thinking of all the different leaders that we serve alongside. I'm thinking of grandparents that I've adopted in this church family. I'm thinking of uncles and aunts and so many others. They have helped me have staying power. It's not always been easy. Sometimes I've, I've felt alone. Maybe you feel alone right now. Maybe you feel isolated and you think, wow, well, I wish I had those relationships. You do, but you have to reach out for them. When you're vulnerable, you have to, just like that trumpet player, make a sound and articulate what you want. When King Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what do you want? He then had to articulate that and say that so that other people could hear it and understand. Now, I know this is not easy to have an honest, tough conversation. It probably wasn't easy for Hannah and I to say, Nehemiah, we are in an absolute mess. It is, the, the conditions are appalling. People are, are so upset and hurt and, and uh, we just such depression in the area. That's not an easy conversation. It's not an easy conversation to talk about your heart, but I want you to know that the tough conversations, 
the hard, honest, vulnerable moments, that's where the power of togetherness kicks in. When you have those with a trusted friend, with a trusted ally, what happens next is you start to feel like people are with you, they understand you, and they're praying for you. And that's what Nehemiah introduced. In the middle of that situation, 152 years of ruin suddenly began to change. The wall went up halfway, then pretty soon it's fully up, and finally it was time to celebrate. Which brings me to my last point. After you have staying power, staying power will lead you to this moment. My third point is this, celebration is better together. Celebration is so much better together, and you know what I'm talking about. How many people have had to celebrate birthdays in lockdown? or anniversaries, or missed a graduation. Oh man, I mean, that's like, that's not always easy to deal with. But let's go a little bit deeper. Celebration, for so many of us in this life that we live, is something we need to think about because, because you know, we can work so hard and we can achieve so much, but at the end of our hard work, years of labor, if there's no one there to celebrate the moment with you, you might be able to get to a place where you have financial success or accolades, but if you're stepping on people along the way, if you're hurting others, when you get to that moment and you're alone, I'll tell you what you're gonna crave. You're gonna crave the power of together. You're gonna crave someone to celebrate your moment with, someone to celebrate your achievement with, someone to just get up on and say, wow, we did it, but we did it, together. Celebration is magnified when you share that moment. Celebration grows and it tends to last longer when you have people around you to mark the moment with. And that was Nehemiah's story. He wasn't just building walls so we'd be talking about him here today. No. He wanted to see people's lives changed. He wanted to see God protect people. So celebration was about celebrating protection, celebrating provision, and celebrating the future. Nehemiah chapter 8, here's where we have the celebration. Ezra praised God with all the people and they said, oh yes, oh yes, and they raised their hands high. Think about this, that the sorrow that Ezra started 12 years ago and Hannah and I talked to Nehemiah about, the sorrow and pain that was in the initial conversation changed over time, that it grew over time. And then there was the moment and how sweet this moment is when Hanani, Nehemiah's brother, and Ezra were able to celebrate together. And I tell you, celebration is so much sweeter when you do it together. And then Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says this. Listen to this. Go home and prepare a feast. Holiday food and drink. Come on, that's a good thing. Share it with those who don't have anything. Okay, literally, Nehemiah's instruction was find someone who's been left out and include them. That's the power of together. And then finally, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What we need is strength, but to get strength, we have to have joy. But to get joy, we need to understand what a celebration is. To feast together, to be together, that's the point of what Nehemiah was talking about. And of course, what happened was this huge celebration that swept up the entire nation, started in Jerusalem, swept to Judea, and then finally in Israel. And this celebration literally renewed the passion for people to come together. The celebration was so magnificent that the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, became the talk of the world 
because of the celebrations. That joy, that celebration, releasing that strength, we want that church. We want to be in a place where we see coming together release that joy. And that's why when you begin to praise God, that's why when you get together with the people of God, there's a sense of joy that accompanies that togetherness. So this power of togetherness, we're going to unpack through the month of September. We're going to stay in this realm and dig deep so that we understand the power of agreement, the power of togetherness, the power of, of being God's people and what that means to be the salt and light on the earth today. And I tell you, our world needs it like never before. And this is going to take all of us. It's going to take all of the church, not just life church, but all of the church to bring the hope in this pain, to change the ruin back to a place of restoration. And I believe God is moving behind the scenes. God is creating hunger in people to not just talk about things that are at surface level anymore, but to go to the deep root of people's longings and desires. And that's why I think the church's greatest moment is lying ahead of us. The church's greatest hope is lying ahead of us. As we come together and examine what that looks like, as we unpack it, I know that God is going to do incredible things because God is the God who still heals. God is the God who still brings miracles and He still brings hope. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's Word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.